Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey folks, welcome. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your co-host, Joe Lou, and today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. And we're in the second week of our Lent, and Dr. Sammy... Um, preach a sermon regarding how we can start to begin to see the valleys in our lives as gifts instead of a curse. Um, one thing that ties us all together as human beings is that we all experience certain suffering, loss, pain, and grief within our lives. And Dr. Sammy shared on how the power of empathy and the person of Jesus Christ who presents this gift of love to us can be shared with people around us and the power behind that is significant in knowing who Christ is and just how much love really comes in the center of our stories. Um, I think empathy is a very powerful means by which we can share our lives together. And it's ultimately what connects us all to the Father. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. In the third grade, after watching Christopher Reeves and Superman, my older brother decided to jump off the roof in nothing but his underwear, in a blanket draped as a cape. My brother learned firsthand the third Newtonian law of motion. For every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. As his body exerted a downward force onto the concrete, and his body an equally upward force onto his body, which resulted in a violent collision (laughs) and two broken legs. He assumed he could fly until he encountered an invisible and unassailable force called gravity. Even till this day, I think he has acrophobia, but with all things considered, I think it's a good thing. As long as it keeps him off the roof. (laughs) And in many ways, my brother's experience is similar to ours. It's the story we find ourselves in. No, maybe none of you are not neurotic enough or psychotic enough to jump up a roof. But until we're mugged by reality or gravity from my brother's experience, in his experience, we're filled with youthful rigor and perhaps even arrogance. We think we're invincible, maybe even immortal unassailable. But the truth is, reality has a way of humbling all of us. We are all mugged, in a sense, by reality. And that's when and why the Holy Spirit in Matthew 4, the Gospel of Matthew, leads, the text says, Jesus into the valley, the gift of the valley, into the wilderness. They go. Because a savior who cannot understand what is at the heart of the human experience, our frailty, 
our scarcity and our aloneness, loneliness, cannot save or understand the human experience. And this is why during the Lenten season, we reflect on Jesus's journey into the valley as a gift to us. Because we do not have a high priest, the book of Hebrews says. We do not have a savior who does not understand what it means to be in our shoes. He found himself in our story. He too was mugged by reality. And that's why we can have confidence in our frailty, in our fear, and in our loneliness, that we are not alone in this season or the next. He is with us because he has been in our shoes before. He has empathy and counts, as the psalm says, every tears that we all shed, all tears we shed, and keeps a record of them. For he himself experienced and been mugged by reality. So, today the question we want to answer today is, how can Jesus experience in the valley form and shape our spiritual formation into the image of Jesus to become more like him so that we can grow and expand our capacity for empathy for others in their struggles and in their own value. So let's go to the text and we'll take it from there. See you in a bit. Hey guys, today's scripture reading is Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 and it is titled, Jesus is Tested in the Wilderness. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that is the word of the Lord. Amen. So in the beginning, we asked the question, how the experience of Jesus in the valley excavated from Matthew 4 can shape and form us into the image of Jesus. Well, the first lesson we learned is that we need to begin to see our own seasons in the valley as a gift rather than a curse. So you might be going through something in your life right now in the valley where nothing grows, where there's hopelessness, where there's frailty and brokenness and darkness and aloneness. And you might be wondering, it's, this is just futile and you want to get out of it. But remember, the text says in, in Matthew 4, starting verse 1, that the Spirit of God, the Spirit is the Spirit of life. He, he's the author of creation led Jesus into the valley. There are seasons when God leads us to places of pain and grief for a purpose. So why a valley? Why the wilderness? Because the valley symbolizes a season of grief, darkness, aloneness, scarcity. As C.S. Lewis says in the Chronicles of Narnia and Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's always winter but never Christmas. And we said Jesus was led into the wilderness, into the valley, 
to understand the falcon, the heart of the human experience, the frailty, the desperation, the neediness, what it actually means to be human. See, the Holy Spirit, even for the Savior of the world, who was perfect in every sense, still needed to develop the capacity for empathy, to actually walk the walk of the human experience. And this text is clear warrant that Jesus was not ontologically supernatural, and he shortcut pain, and shortcut frustration, or neediness, or loneliness. No, he experienced it. He's been in our shoes before. Until my mom in my own life, and my wife's father, died from cancer. I assumed that they would live forever. I thought my mom would live till, I don't know, till Lisi Josh, our youngest eight-year-old. They unfortunately never got to meet. And the truth is, generally speaking, until I got the phrase I keep using in this message, mugged by reality, how frail life is and how fleeting it is. The, the person that loved you the most, gone in six months. I didn't even have a, really a chance to say goodbye. It was so sudden. And no one can explain death of a loved one to you until you experience it. Before, I could not empathize with those families and friends that got sick. I just thought that, I just assumed that that was for everybody else until I was awakened to the reality of cancer and death. And that valley, which was a painful season in my life, the person that supported me the most, loved me the most, gone and the same for my wife created a death in me but in that death in that cross a resurrection a renewal takes place it expanded my capacity to sympathize and empathize with others in the valley especially death as Kyung's sisters passed away last year it was a gift. I realized the valley was a gift. I could help our brother in his grief, give him perspective. I sent him tons of chocolate while people send him money, and we did both, but because I know that grief is circular, sinuous, not linear. And so, right now in your life, you might think the things you're going through, difficult things, frustrating things, things that don't come easy, is a, it's just futile and aimless. It's something that you gotta bite your way through. It's not true. God never wastes pain or tears or crisis. No, he expands, he uses to water, to fertilize, our capacity to care for others. 
he's what? Growing empathy. Empathy is organic in many ways. It's grown, cultivated in the valley. And in the valley, with tears, rivers flow. To parch the desolation and the dryness of other seasons. And you provide comfort. So where are you right now in your life? Where's your struggles? Are you just beating your head? Complaining and venting? Why? That's why. The Lenten season, through the reflection of Jesus' experience in the valley, teaches us it's a gift. I pray the Spirit would show you what He is doing in your life this season. That Jesus is there with you. Right there at Matthew 4, right now in the valley with you. And He is inviting you to journey with others. So in the beginning, we asked the question, how can we allow the experience of Jesus in the valley during the Lenten season form us? Well, the second lesson we learn is that only those who are mugged by reality develop genuine empathy for others. The question I have for you as we observe verse 1 and 2 is why did the Spirit lead Jesus to fast for 40 days? Why not 12? Why not 10? I have trouble doing one. I usually give in. Sometimes I even forget and eat a chocolate. Like, oh, that's, I suck at this. I'm sure many of you during Lent will fail. But why precisely that number 40? Well, the whole idea of Lent, Latin, is the etymology lengthen. It was to exaggerate. And if you read the verse here, in verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It was to exaggerate the human experience and to feel desperation. See, Jesus was hungry. He was in need, desperate for sustenance. So powerful. Jesus too was mugged by reality. And that was the only way, even for the perfect human who never sinned, who was sinless, this path of the valley, this gift of the valley, is the only mechanism in which God can plant and grow genuine empathy. Our hearts are closed up until we experience the gift of the valley. In Lamez, which is one of my favorite plays of all time, in the song, I Dreamed a Dream. 
especially the bridge, but the tigers come out at night with their voice soft as a thunder. As they tear your hope apart, as they turn your dream to shame. I had a dream my life would be so different from the hell I'm living, so different now from what it seemed. Now life has killed the dream and dream. You're like, Doc, that's so depressing. Oh, it is, but the suffering and the despair in the wilderness that we experience in the valley <laughs> is the soil in which God grows and plants a capacity to love and empathize with others. And that's when humility, really, sincerity, hospitality becomes a thing. Jesus went alone to this mountain when he was called to ministry. But when he left this mountain, he found 12 friends. Because even the second person of the Trinity, forever human, fully God and fully man, couldn't do it alone. He could endure it. And he made it through, but even after all the temptations, it says that God sent angels to attend to him after all of these temptations. That's when we develop reciprocity, the need for intimacy and community as well. This is where it's forged. Our experiences, connecting with others, empathizing, consoling, and healing. Jesus could have forgiven our sins apart from the valley. Easily could have done it. But he would not be a savior that could truly understand what it means to be in our shoes. But he would never be able to heal the emotive pain and despair that many of us have experienced or may be going through now. He can forgive sins, our past mistakes, but can never heal the message of the arrows or the deep wounds that still fester. So wherever, whatever season you might be in today, and maybe in hindsight, the experiences in the valley or in the valley today, it is not futile. God is shaping you through it. So you can grow and fertilize a capacity to care and love others. And that's what the Spirit did for Jesus' formation in the valley. The valley is a gift. So how do you see some of your struggles today? Or maybe in hindsight. I pray the Spirit would show you how he's performing Christ in you in this season. Right now. So will you lift your hands to the Lord today and allow the Lord to form Christ in you in the valley? So as I was thinking and reflecting about this sermon afterwards, you know, I was, I guess I was pondering a lot on the impact of empathy and just how much, um, according to just how much Dr. Sammy emphasized how Jesus was able to empathize with our human stories and our experiences uh, in our sufferings. And, you know, a lot of the times when I consider the moments that I've, been in the valley just 
sort of stuck and experiencing some difficult moments in my life um, and how much empathy that I've received and that I've felt from the father and from the people that love and support around me has helped. It, it just kind of gets me thinking about just how important empathy is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that Dr. Sammy was introducing or reintroducing this uh, conversation into our lives about just how important it is that we have a savior who knows us and understands our stories and why we can even better empathize with others as a result of that. You know, I think a lot of the times when I think about how much love I've been given and received, it really reinforces the idea that empathy um, is such an important thing for us to embrace um, from others and to also share with other people as well. And with that, I love that uh, the sermon framed empathy and the experiences that we have in our difficulties as a gift that could be shared with others. Um, and I'm excited to have this conversation because I think, you know, focusing on what, focusing on the gift that Christ has offered us through empathy is, you know, one of the ways that we can really love and better understand people around us as well. And so um, I'm here with Pastor Lydia and, you know, to kick off this conversation, you know, I just had a question regarding, um, you know, I guess just sort of, sort of for definitive purposes of really our understanding of what empathy is um, and really secondarily what the power of empathy can really do for people um, who've experienced the love of Christ, you know, because I think we're all trying and we're all listening in on this sermon so that we can better become like Christ at the end of the day. Um, and Christ, who loves us well, is a reminder that um, we can also be formed in the image of Christ and love people as well, too. So um, mm-hmm. I guess I just wanted to kind of kick off the conversation of asking, you know, what what is empathy um, and what is the significance and power of empathy that is shared with us from Christ? Yeah, you know, I think empathy is such a, um, there's, it's such a, what is the word? Like, it's used so, like, thrown here and there in so many ways and demanded mm. of us um, in this, in this world, right? And, but I think if you ask me what is a definition um, in, in the context of this message of the text, I think it's the ability in us by the gift of God developed to become more like Christ so that we can also be present and understand others and be there for others in the way that Christ was there for us. Mm. So it's derived. The empathy we're talking about is not this empathy of the world per se, but it's in context to Christ that it's derived from his understanding of us and how we learn from his experience and his, and the way that he has walked the earth and how he has suffered and has overcome and has um, become our savior. Right. Mm-hmm. And how we derive, how that de- is derived. <laughs> it's getting wordy, but <laughs> But I mean, I, I have all I'm to, all to say that the basis is really Christ's love for us and his mm. understanding of us. Mm. If I may ask, what what is the power of 
Christ's love for us. Because when I think about the power of love that I've received um, during this, but I, I really do feel like it helps me to want to love and understand people better. And, you know, sort of the message that I got from the sermon and from conversations with you, Pastor Lydia, was that, you know, this this love that we have for people is this love that was given to us from Christ. And, you know, I, I guess I just want to share with our listeners what your thoughts about how we develop this love and like why why this empathy that we receive from the fathers is such a powerful thing in our lives. And it, and, you know, like it, it really is a gift for us. Yeah, I think, you know, when we come to Christ, we realize that we are unable to save ourselves from this world, that we're unable to sell, save ourselves from ourselves, mm. right? That we're unable to heal ourselves from the brokenness and the sin of others and that we ourselves are sinners and coming to him in that vulnerable place where we're kind of we're not kind of but we're beginning to accept our humanity our sinfulness right um and being received fully by god who sees everything about us that through Christ, he has sent us a savior to relate to, to turn to, um, to be forgiven by. And I think, you know, um, before the service, I think before, I guess part of the service this week, um, as we're going through this Lenten season, I think it was day 17 and in Jesus calling, um, it was powerfully read by one of our sisters, right? Mm-hmm. And the verse, Zephaniah 317 that was mentioned. I'll just read it quickly here, but it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. That line that says he will be quiet in his love, and in parentheses actually says in the Amplified Bible, making no mention of your past sins. He knows the state that we're coming in, yet he embraces us. Um, he knows perfectly what we've been through, what we have done, yet he will be quiet and sing over us in his love without mention of our past sins, basically saying he forgives us. He embraces us as we are. And I think, I think that's why it's so powerful. The empathy of God is that it's the fact that, you know, we talk about human empathy that we emphasize because, you know, we went through this, but actually the empathy is really just a human way of understanding that God sees and understands, yet he embraces us and that he understands us and loves us and is able to rescue us. So I think the fact that it flows from love that is not of this world is what's so powerful. And... um healing emotively for us right i totally feel that um you know just kind of thinking back on sort of how i have experienced the father's love and just why that can propel me to want to love others it's just you know to to be understood and to know that somebody 
knows who you are and your past sins and, you know, all the troubles that might be riddling your life is a, is a really reassuring feeling that I think helps us or has helped me to learn that I am accepted um, and that I am ultimately loved. And, you know, I think that gift that I received from knowing who Christ was is something that I felt like was in line with what Dr. Samuel was saying is that it sort of touches on this emotive aspect that allows us to want to empathize, not, not just empathize in the sense that you are, you are there for people and that you're present in people's lives, which is very important, but also to love them and understand as Christ had done for me, you know, it's like sort of sourced from the person and the character of who the father is. Mm-hmm. It's like empathy is like really meet the empathy of Christ is like really meeting Christ through people mm. and people. Um, the experience of the love of Christ all over again in, you know? Yeah. Because we're talking about um, when mugged through life, instead of it literally knocking us over, breaking us to the point where we're no longer, um, I don't know, useful or, you know, beneficial to others in any way. God is saying there's a resurrection of our story in the brokenness, in in the fact that life has taken from us so many things and that loss is experienced, but God is saying that actually it is not a curse, but it is a gift in him mm. um, to us to experience God's empathy, um, but also to be able to offer that gift to others um, who are also suffering in the valley. Mm. I think there's an assumption that some people are better empathizers than others. But I think that is just an assumption. And it's not necessarily true. Um, because I think what the text is showing us through the experience of Christ suffering and how that empathizes with us in our humanity emotively, how it heals us and how it, it shows that Empathy is something that can be developed. It is almost like, I would say, it is part of discipleship. Mm. It is not something whether you are able to do and some are not able to do, or like you said, some are qualified to do, some are disqualified to do, depending on how much um, suffering someone has gone through. But it is cultivating any experience of humanity. Um, I think it's already assumed that, um, people suffer in life whether people have made note of that or got past it and forgot about it because of the hardship of it or want to forget about it whatever the case might be it's already assumed that life is hard mm-hmm. and that there are valleys in this journey right? right which we would categorize as hardship but that it is something that can be developed by all it is not a skill given to some because I know that in the world, like, you know, empathy is seen as a gift. Some people have, some people are better empathizers. But in the biblical context, 
from the experience of Christ, it's something that can be developed and recognized and be seen as a gift um, that can be cultivated for all mm. who turn to him, you know? Mm. Let's see. So the takeaway here is that we can grow in our capacity to empathize with others through our suffering. Yeah, because I think people hear this and um, could feel like, well, I'm really bad at empathizing. Some people are way better than me. I've always been bad. And then actually, then it doesn't get realized, the suffering in, in that person's life and mm -hmm. how Christ is there and was there for them. And I think that's part of the, um, the experience of Lent. It's realizing how Christ is not just there now in the valley of those suffering. Mm -hmm. But that Christ was also there. And, you know, memories and hardships of the past has a way of um, being presented in the present. And though the memory is from the past, emotive experience is still in the present. And Christ meets us and relates to us in the present. Mm -hmm. And he equips us to be present for others, um, to empathize with others in the hardships and the valleys that they may be going through or you and I may be going through now. Right. Right. I, I completely resonate with what you're saying here because, you know, a lot of the times the question comes to my mind when maybe somebody is sharing some of the difficulties that they're going through that I don't know what that's really like. Like I haven't experienced loss of a family member or like, I, I don't know what it's like to be in X, Y, and Z circumstances and such like that. So it almost feels like there's a barrier of entry to being able to empathize with others. And so it almost feels like therein is a, is a sort of the accusation that I'm not an empathetic person or right. I'm just not capable of empathizing because how can I speak to someone's experiences mm -hmm. right but, but it's encouraging to know that it can be developed mm. through Christ's experience in us yeah right right agreed um and so like I guess how do we how do we glean off of the wisdom that is that we can derive from Christ's uh, journey in Lent, because I think there is a lot of significance behind the fact that Christ, who is fully God, became human so that he can also experience the suffering that people have had. Like, uh, I guess I'm just trying mm -hmm. to understand the connection that is drawn between that, that moment in his life and how that helped Christ empathize with us and therefore we have this understanding that he knows who we are in our stories. Yeah. I mean, apart from, you know, losses that he, you know, experienced in his life, right? Mm -hmm. I think the fact that he became human from fully God um, shows that he was no longer in control of his environment, right? Because he submitted 
to become human. And that's something we experienced that he went from all knowing to not knowing everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lostness that he experienced. Also, he was taken um, from, he, he was sent to earth from the per- most perfect community of fellowship that he experienced with the Father and the Spirit. So there is, compared to um, what he experienced with the Father and the Spirit, compared to that, the fellowship and the family that he experienced on earth and the environment that he experienced was one of, um, I mean, rejection. He was made fun of. He was accused of being um, fatherless, right? Or or being a bastard child, right, of Joseph. Um, also, Joseph was not necessarily, he was not at Jesus' death, right? So we know that he experienced fatherless even on earth because only his mother was there, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of pain and loss that he experienced as a human being, which without having lost parents or people, loved ones, I think we can all relate to that. Mm-hmm. We have all felt um, wrongly accused at one point or another felt misunderstood, um, felt oh. alone, felt disqualified oh. or discredited, you know, right. and those, are, and that, and he understands that because he walked through the valley of life yeah. and um, he went through it. In, in in harsher measure in many ways. Right. That does put things into perspective because, you know, a lot of the times it's it's sort of it's sort of simpler to detach myself from like the idea that Christ has suffered a, basically the human experience um, while, you know, conducting his ministry on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that and that's like such an amazing thing um that i guess is like hard to wrap my mind around is that like he he truly understands mm-hmm. what we go through and he he knows how we feel like the emotions and the maybe the angst and the frustrations that we might experience like i'm i'm sure one of the things that you described about Christ, you know, coming from, uh, you know, perfect community, um, just having, you know, everything at his disposal to, you know, even the thought that he experienced hunger mm-hmm. and thirst, like such a visceral human experience is like, like emblematic and testament to the fact that the father and the son really understand what we need you know i think that's such Mm -hmm. a huge takeaway from what you were just describing Mm -hmm. yeah and from childhood he experienced this so i think that even in our adolescence the lostness and the loneliness that we feel and the pain that we go through as even teens right Mm -hmm. um he understands that because he was once a teen he went through the pain of rejection of not being picked not being someone's first choice or a team's first choice or, um, you know, these are all things that we experience. And it, it, in many ways, 
breaks us and in accumulated, um, you know, we would call it being mugged by life. We realize that we're not in control of our environment. Mm. Yeah. I guess the, the question that comes from, from this part of the conversation for me is, you know, how, how can we develop in a capacity for empathy like Christ had? Cause I can't imagine. Well, I guess I can because Christ knows it, but you know, like, I, I guess like the experiences that we have could just feel um, so heavy at times and very dark and such mm-hmm. like that. But even despite that, it seems like Christ was able to, see that we were in need and reached out to us um, in that desperation. And so, like, I, I'm just sort of astonished by Christ's capacity to, you know, even in his own suffering, to extend an understanding and love for people that were also suffering. So, I, I you know, uh, I guess, like, how how do we also follow after that image and that example that Christ has set for us? Well, I think um, how do we develop genuine empathy is the question you're asking, right? Yeah. Um, I think the point that Sam gave um, in the message was specifically, remember that only those who are mugged by reality develop genuine empathy. Mm. I think that without context, it could almost sound like... um, you need to suffer more in order to experience empathy, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to look at it in context, like this point in context of Jesus in context to the whole text and the whole um, theme of the message, right? I think what it's saying is that he's giving us, God is giving us hope through Christ's experience, um, the parts of us that we feel disqualified, that we cannot um, develop empathy and become like Christ. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I think that there is so much guilt and in the polarization of what is suffering and what is not. Um, there's so much um guilt people bear about not knowing enough, not understanding enough. But I think what, what the text is showing us is that through Christ's experience, we can learn how to empathize. So actually no one is disqualified from learning from Christ. You know, it reminds me of um, when Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, right? Mm -hmm. And learn from me. For I am humble and my burden is light. There's so many expectations of polarized expectations in the world and in the church about how we should be. But I feel like what Christ allows um, through himself, his experience and his relation to us is that because we have all been heavy laden And because we have all been mugged by life and its expectations, and because we have all suffered loss of to a certain degree, um, 
all of these things, we can come and learn from him and gain rest and perspective and be restored about how these things that we have gone through, one, Christ understands us. And because he understands us, that it is not just a bleak reality, but it is actually a redeemable reality. That mm. there's something beautiful that can come about from the brokenness that we feel through life. Oh. And so that is sort of the the saving grace and the gift that we find in the valley. Yeah, because I think when we're going through loss and when we feel hopeless and we feel alone, we feel like it is the end of so many things. Like it almost feels like the death of many things that we feel disqualified. We feel inadequate. We feel lost. We feel um, discredited. We feel so many things. And I, and you know, I think it's hard, right? Like to think about the message in some ways, because we want to look at Jesus as God, like the one who was resurrected, the powerful one, you know, the answer to all. But we're talking about his suffering and how he relates to us as fully human. The relatable aspect, I think, is sometimes hard to um, really sit with mm. because we feel like we're not doing justice to God himself, the son of God, who is God himself. But I think Jesus is, he's like, speaking to us in the wilderness in the wilderness and the valleys of his life saying to us look at me i am not just god i am fully human i understand you let me teach you come to me find rest in me like let go of this expectation to know it all let go of this expectation to understand it all let me help you understand your story and why you're frustrated why you are in pain why you feel broken why you feel weary. And let me show you what it means to be developed by my experience, by my, by my teaching, by my presence. Mm. So that you can and you will make a difference in the world if you do these things in me. You know, I think it's, it's kind of like that experience. And that's where empathy comes from. Right. Yeah. Just listening to you to you saying, those words was really comforting, you know, like, because mm. I think there's like a lot of the times that, you know, empathy might be hard to meet the expectations of, if that mm-hmm. really makes sense, you know. Yeah, I think it makes total sense. Yeah. Right. Because um, it's just like sometimes you don't feel adequate enough or that people really know your story enough to know that you also experienced pain before even though it might not be that specific sort of circumstance or the valley that these Mm -hmm. people are experiencing Mm -hmm. Uh, but it seems like christ just really kind of cuts through all that to say that like your experience is valid and Mm -hmm. that suffering that suffering you've experienced is reason why you can know others that are in the midst of suffering as well and can extend love to them yeah definitely i think the word reciprocity is such a powerful word right because in a world where everything is assumed we realize that there is a 
depth of relationship or our connection that comes through reciprocity. Um, and well, the first person that showed it to us really is Christ, right? The genuine reciprocity is that he reached out to us. Mm-hmm. And that as we reach out to him, there is a relationship as we turn to him. And that, and I think it's, it's reproducing that, like, no matter what you have gone through, it is not finished. Like, that's not the end. That Christ has the ability, like, he in his power of relating to us, working in us internally, God will resurrect all things that have brought us down mm. and use that to not only help us realize that we can reach out to others for help, that we can also reach out to others and offer that gift of comfort and empathy that we receive from God, no matter what it is. Right. Right. I love that. Uh, Cause it seems like what, from so far in our conversations, it seems like what you've done for me anyways, is that you sort of, uh, I guess brought into perspective that Jesus, first of all, was fully man and that Jesus is a friend that understands. Because um, mm-hmm. like it's, it's really easy to sort of compartmentalize that Jesus is your savior and that this is like a higher being, which he is to us. But like to know that Christ who befriended us is sort of the beginning of that reciproci- reciprocity process of being a good friend and listening and empathizing with others is sort of, that's like the beginning of that development and our mm-hmm. capacity to grow in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having said all this, there are experiences that some have had that are more painful, like than others, right? Yeah. Um, there is a pain of not receiving the grade that you want, that you studied hard for and sacrificed, you know, things for. Um, there is a pain of not getting into the school that you want. And then there is the pain of losing your parent or losing your child, losing your spouse. Um, and there is a deeper degree as the loss is even greater um, that as much as the pain, um, as much as the pain is great, the empathy factor or the empathy capacity also grows with Mm. that pain. So that, I mean, the truth is like before I experienced loss in my life, um, losing my own dad, um, you know, Sam losing his mom, you know, like my beloved mother-in-law who loved us so well. Like he, like she was such a great mom to Sam mm-hmm. and she was such a great mother-in-law to me that I felt the love of God through her so much. Like she was a special woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, before that loss, it's almost like you're watching people's stories through a screen. It doesn't really relate to you right. when people talk about loss. You wonder, I wonder what that would feel like. That seems sad. Right. I wonder what that would feel like. But when you lose your own, 
you you realize that pain,、mm-hmm. and that pain translated、um, for、um, you know,、uh, I guess across relationships where people also lose, like it translates as empathy. There is a depth that is understood when you have gone through.、Um, Similar pains, you know, of loss.、Right. So, so definitely,、um, there is a depth and layer of understanding that comes through loss, you know. Right, right. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that was one of the difficulties that I might have had in in sort of、uh, processing. This message for myself is that there seems to be suffering that is so much greater than my own,、um, mm-hmm. and how can I even begin to empathize, or how can I be in a place where I'm offering empathy when it doesn't really seem like it's warranted, or it's, or that we are capable of doing that for those that might have experienced much more significant. Periods of suffering.、Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't exempt us from loving and、mm. being present. I think to understand or to acknowledge that I don't know that pain, I think that's also important.、Mm-hmm. You know, in reaching out and also in the body of Christ to have that awareness. Like I don't actually know. I'm not going to pretend to know. I mean, there's nothing more annoying <laughs> when you're ch- you're being comforted by someone who seems to have an answer for all. Yeah. When they have not gone through it, and they just speak as an expert of all things because they hear it, so they think they get it. I mean, I think we've all met people like that, right?、Yeah. And then there are people who will speak of experiences, and there is a depth, and you may not know necessarily their full story, but You feel understood, right? Like these people know. Yeah, like they understand what you're going through. Maybe not the exact thing, but they somehow understand, right?、Mm. And so the genuineness definitely could be felt, you know. Right. But awareness of the fact that you know what I don't know what that is doesn't necessarily mean that you're disqualified from loving and pre- being present. And I think that's the other thing. Though it may not be personal to you, but because it the loss happens to someone that is personal to you, to a certain degree, it becomes a personal pain as well. And I think bearing that pain is also、um, loving as Christ does for us, right?、Hmm. Um, what does the Bible say? It says to weep with those who weep. Um, and I think that's important to be there for people who are suffering、um, in times of need, and to not say, "Well, sorry, I don't know what you're going through,、um, so I'm just gonna stay out of this one." Yeah. Right. I think that's such a good point that you made because, as much as they might feel that we're not able to understand, it's that. Our willingness to want to understand and to extend that love is is sort of like 
what we've received as a gift from Christ, right? Because I think mm-hmm. knowing that Christ understands us, um, that he walks with us and is with us through our journey, whether in seasons of suffering or whether in uh, good seasons that are bountiful, um, like he's, he imbued with us this in this gift of love that we that we want to have for others as well that that we want to love others well in their suffering and be there for them because their suffering is important to us is and is that like sort of the idea of the reciprocity reciprocity that you were bringing up yeah and you know in our weakness god's powers made perfect so i think love is really the ultimate goal to love our neighbors, to love one another as God loved us. So mm-hmm. yes, definitely. The love comes from him. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, I guess one of the things that I also wanted to ask you in regards to this is that what would you say for somebody that is experiencing a season in the Valley? Um, you know, cause I think oftentimes it's sort of difficult to embrace like you were sort of saying before that we're, we're not just like meant to trudge along our suffering and assume that it's going to be used for a greater purpose for the sake of others necessarily. But, you know, I guess it's sort of hard to adopt the perspective that um, some of the seasons uh, in the Valley that uh, we're led into are, are gifts Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I'm just wondering how one might adopt that perspective or to sort of cling to that faith and knowing that um, the suffering is not in vain, you know, because I think one of the things that was a really great reminder that Dr. Sammy mentioned was that God doesn't waste a single tear. Um, mm. And like none of this is in vain and that there's and God is like with us through it. So I, I, I guess I just want to gain your perspective on that as well and in just sort of how to have the perspective that uh, God is with us. He understands. um, And that, you know, it's not all for just the sake of suffering. Yeah. I think that the fact that it is a gift and not a curse is a redemption in our fatalism. Because it's so easy to be fatalistic about hardship, but to know that he offers life and hope and resurrection power into the things that seem broken i think that's good news right to those who receive it right i'm thinking about how like it's sort of easy to get stuck and become bitter as a result of you know like some of the unfortunate um circumstances that might have befallen us or you know like to to i guess receive empathy in that place might also be quite difficult but you know like i think what you were saying about how the process of redemption and the resurrection that has happened in our lives um like that that is what the gift really is right like that initial encounter with the love of christ is that reminder that we're not just in it for the sake of suffering if i if that's right like i i think i'm trying to understand are you saying um 
when someone suffers that it's easy to become bitter and yeah. embittered about life right and how to change the perspective of someone who feels that way or if i am feeling that way yeah hmm. i'm not sure if it's our job to change people's perspective about that other yeah. than to um share or to represent through presence and Christ's presence through process that God can redeem all things that he will bring beauty right now there is pain but that this is not the end mm-hmm. I don't think that it's advising that you or I you know yell at someone who is suffering and to knock them into sense that God is going to use this. So stop grieving. But I, I don't think it is. I don't think the advice or the perspective is that I think, um, but at the same time, you know, it's not our job to change people's minds, but I think that to act and to love someone in the hope of God's beauty um, but also to embrace someone's pain in their pain, mm-hmm. I think is part of the process of loving someone and being there for someone and not only wanting to, for them to be better, you know, but to walk right. in their, you know, in their pain with their pain together because grief is a real thing and it's something that has to be journeyed through, walked through. It doesn't mm-hmm. just go away. You know, right? You can. I can already see like the gears turning in my own head about like how to sort of solve this issue of empathy. Mm. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just like I guess because of that, it almost seems like it's our job to get through suffering. Or sometimes that's a mindset that I often adopt: is that like you know, suffering is you know like just things that we have to sort of just do or like uh, I don't know I think you know I guess it's sort of hard to reconcile seeing that in our suffering it's it's us that that someone understands the amount of pain or trouble that we're going through just just trying to get through the season um and to have the perspective that you know Christ is with us along the way mm-hmm. um, but yeah mm-hmm. oh no please please no I was gonna say saying it and explaining it like that uh-huh. um but actually going through it is very different right. you know um when we're going through pain I don't think we're going through it and hoping I have to get through this mm. as fast as I could we're just in it right yeah. Like when we're feeling pain, we're in it. And I think most of the time when offered, um, okay, so because we're going through the pain, I think that's the reciprocity factor that also deepens us and to make us more like Christ as Christ needed others um, when he left his fast is that when you're going through it and you're in need, there will be times when you will need others. Not because you want to reach out to others, but you will be in need and you Mm -hmm. will need others. 
And I think others being there for us um, is really what's so powerful. And that if there is deep empathy of understanding, it's even more hopeful and encouraging. But I think we're going through the pain. We're not thinking, okay, well, I have to get through this because there's a treasure at the end of this pain. I think pain is just pain. It's just, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Even when, um, I mean, when, you know, my mother-in-law passed, when my father passed, we knew where they were. We knew that they were um, with the Lord. And there was great peace knowing that. But the loss of not having them with us so suddenly was really what was painful. The Mm. understanding the loss of them not being in our lives. Like Sam said, that he wished that his mom would have met Josh. You know, and then Josh feels that pain now of hearing about this great grandmother, awesome Mm. grandmother, but not knowing what she was like, but only seeing glimpses of it like through conversation like oh josh she was so much like you so much like you so adamant about caring for others and loving others like mm-hmm. josh is kind of like that yeah. you know we always say he's like he's like he nags with love like a grandma <laughs> you know <laughs> he's kind of like that but um he now he's feeling that pain but mm-hmm. you know so we all share that pain like though he may not have gone through that loss because he never met grandma, he knows what it means to miss someone and to, and to hope that he had a grandma because some kids have grandmas, you know? And yeah. the fact that he doesn't have one, he's feeling that loss as he gets older. But he is also comforted in the fact that the family has suffered her loss, but, um, you know, also share in the love of what she was like. So it's a mix mm-hmm. of pain and, you know, and delight all at once. But even knowing when, but yeah, mm-hmm. not to make it longer, but yeah. I don't know, totally. I, I really appreciate that because, you know, it's such a beautiful depiction of, I think, just how how there, like, can be real love and joy in between, like, the sadness and the pain that we experience if we can see that we are like in the middle of our difficulties that like or our suffering that we need others and that at one point in time others will need us as well and that and I guess like the important thing is that like I I love that you highlighted (laughs) that Josh has this characteristic of loving like a nagging grandma because like it's his desire to love that makes him want to understand that pain and suffering right as opposed to like well not as opposed to anything but it it is like sort of sourced out of love that you would want to empathize and share in the suffering of people around you similarly to how christ wants to understand us and know our pain and struggles so that he can be there for us Yeah. I think for um, anyone who might feel like, well, I'm not very good at empathizing. Um, as much as we said, it's something that is developed by looking at the life of Christ and the suffering that he went through and his valleys. I think we can all learn by, um, it takes process, right? It's not just suffering, but if 
it's a loss that you didn't necessarily go through. I think we can be present. That's that's something Jesus is with us. He's present with us and we can be present and listen. I think the great thing about Jesus that makes him so relatable is that he hears us, that when we pray to him, he hears us. When we turn to him, that he meets us. Or that without the reciprocity of him meeting with us and not us just reaching out and just kind of missing the mark of whether this person exists or not. I think people who are in relationship with him, who have turned their lives to him, um, saved by his grace, you know, and understanding his grace and knowing his forgiveness and his presence, know that he is real. So I think learning from him that he was with us or like when Jesus asked the disciples before he went to the cross, he said, come with me, pray Mm -hmm. with me. How he asked, you know, he longed for their presence, um, their support. And I think in the same way, same way we can support by listening, by being present in the best way that we could. And we can learn from others in their pain and be with others. I mean, I think learning is, not always, I guess it's not the goal per se, but I think we can't help but to learn when we actually hear people and their story and what they're going through. And I think that teaches us empathy as well to sit with people in their pain, Mm -hmm. in their valley. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'm just kind of recounting, or I guess I'm in a pensive pensive feeling right now because you know i i feel like the knowing that the people around me who have been with me during times that were very difficult and who understand me have been sort of like the bedrock of the reason why i can continue to you know like continue on to this day you know i think a lot of the times there's it's it's difficult to see that you know we are understood that Christ understands what we're going through and that you know we can have hope and faith in knowing that at the end of it and through it all that we are loved and that you know because of our suffering what is produced is sort of like this like Dr. Sam you mentioned like this fertilizer to love others to a greater capacity because in our suffering we were loved and when we see another person's you know pain and loss and grief that they might be experiencing in the valley it's it's like those are the times at which we can extend that understanding of love as well and like i can imagine that it's it's such a powerful force to know that there's people with us and that Christ understands um, when it comes down to our personal experiences with uh, pain. Yeah. I guess I, I kind of have a, like a logistical question. Um, uh, yeah. um, but is empathy just born out of being in the valley? You know, is it like a organic process? that yeah. just happens yeah actually that's what sam said in the message right he said okay. that there's an organic factor about empathy 
And so fertilizing it makes it make so much sense, cultivating it, growing our capacity. So empathy is something that can grow in us. It's not either or. Do you have empathy or not have, have empathy? If we all have been understood by Christ, we have the ability to be like Christ, to become more like Christ, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm. And is it often hard to acknowledge that we have empathy? Or like, I guess, how do we know that we are really empathetic towards someone? I mean, because I think I know just kind of based off the desire to want to know or want to know the story that someone is sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess how can we identify that empathy is sown in our hearts and that, you know, I guess it's forced from who Christ is. Yeah, I think that there's like a temptation to kind of look at it, empathy as a performance, That's right, like, yeah. like a achievement, you know, because like you said before, it comes with expectation. Yeah. Like how much empathy do I have? How much have I suffered to understand others? So, you know, in light of all of that, that Christ is saying, come to me, lay down the burdens of all these expectations. Let's continue going to him to kind of like layer down all these things. But I think that it's easy to think in terms of achievement, like empathy as something I achieve, like, oh, great, someone, I feel good that I was there for someone or that I wasn't a complete total loss or I, was com- I wasn't completely lost, mm-hmm. um, but there was some kind of connection. There's definitely a rewarding feeling of being able to connect to someone, right? Because yeah. connection with anyone is very powerful, right? It's it's a human experience that um, to know that your presence matters or that your your listening matters to someone or that you sharing tears mattered with someone. But I think more than achievement um, and performance aspect, or I wouldn't even say aspect, like spectrum, it, I think it's very... It's, it's a very extreme way, but I think it's a very common way. But I think if we could put the focus not on ourselves, but I think empathy has a way of putting the focus on the other. And I think that's the depth of empathy that increases as we are mugged by life, I think. As a second point, coming back to that, is that when you're being present after having gone through the loss, um yourself and you're being present for someone else there's a sense where you lose your sense of sense of need or the need to be needed mm-hmm. or need to matter but you be you make the focus about them oh without even trying and i think that's the capacity to love others that deepens us if we could really as you know, some people might say, I didn't go through so much loss, so I don't know. But the thing is, we all will. Mm-hmm. Like death of a loved one is not something any one of us can escape. I think that when we're young, it's easy to think that way. But death is something that will knock at our door um, one day. 
It's not something we can escape. We, it's something we will be forced to embrace, whether we deny it or put it in the back of our minds. And instead of living in fear, I think that it's something that we just have to, I mean, when it comes, comes, it will come. But I think if we, so the more you go through something, there's an aspect where it's less about me and it's more about the person going through something. And I think that's where the comfort increases for someone that or the consolation or the hospitality extends more than it about it making it about us. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I, I think, yeah. yeah. And I think that's why it's so important to spread the news or to, to encourage, I guess is a better way, that there is a purpose to the valley because I think most sometimes there's a hopelessness is really the utter hopelessness of the valley is it just feels like it will never end. And it feels like an end all any sadness, any anxiety, any fear. It feels like this is the end. And it has a way of kind of weighing down on us. Like it's black and white. It's either because things are horrible. Forget it. This is it. Like, either good or bad. But I think the perspective or the love of empathy that enters shows us that actually, like, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that there is a silver lining, that there is a blessing in all of it, mm. you know, or that there is this, this is a gift. It will be a gift. You know, even this grief can be a gift because I'm grieving the loss of someone, there is hope. Like it has a way of um, bringing perspective without even trying. But mm. the fact is that it is a gift and not a curse because of those things. What it produces in us through the pain, whether we know it or not, it becomes a gift and not a curse to others. Yeah. That's super deep. <laughs> Uh, just because I was thinking, it's like, I feel like, I'm, and I'm glad you brought this up because I think a lot of the times empathy to me almost seems like trying to pick the right words to say. And mm. with that, it's almost like, it's almost like just sort of getting the feedback that you've said the right things and that like you can offer some kind of optimism. Mm. about like why I, I don't know like why it's going to be okay and like mm -hmm. you know, these like x y and z reasons for you know why your suffering is not in vain but to like sort of adopt that perspective that you know the experiences of suffering really connect us all you know and I think that's mm -hmm. such like a poignant thing that you uh mentioned because like you know, as much as we might not be thinking about it, it, it is true that all of us are going to experience loss of a loved one and the grief that follows along with it um, mm -hmm. at one time or another. But mm -hmm. like to truly empathize with that is not just about like offering optimism, but like real genuine hope that, you know, it's it's going to be repackaged and repurposed for like a blessing to somebody else. Like that's I think that's like very, very hard. Like it, it gives a lot of hope in that it's like a uh, very substantial as opposed to like 
the words that you can offer somebody via empathy. Yeah, it's like what Sam said. It's like the tears and the pain that you went through in your own, um, you know, in your own being mugged by life per se will bring it will it will what did he say quench the parched parched land of desolation of yeah. others and it does that without you trying to i think that's it's it's true because it's mm. produced in you it's developed in you right right um i guess the other question that I have is like, how do we be more empathetic? I, uh, you know, I, I'm very grateful that you are helping us acknowledge that empathy is in each and every one of us who knows who Christ is. Um, and maybe for a lot of listeners like myself, it's sort of like, oh, I am empathetic, but like, how, how do I be more like Christ in this department? You know, um, do you do you have any insight as to what someone could do to, um, I guess, grow their empathy or to extend that love onto others? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I know this might sound so obvious, but I think Christ teaches us to not be self-focused. Hmm. And I think that, like I said before, um, I think there's a tendency to focus on our own achievement of empathy and our own expectation of empathy that we make it about ourselves. But I think that we can bank on the love of God that's all encompassing of everything. And if even if we may not understand, I think that we can choose love. And instead of being so... Um, self-focused and afraid just show up and love like decide to love someone in mm. their pain I think it, that's something we can do and that's the love that um, love of presence I think is really important I think now we're just getting to the practicality of how can we be there for someone in the valley yeah, You know, but I think that's sometimes all we can do. If we don't understand the pain of the valley, I think all we can do is, is love. And it's the only thing that, or the ultimate thing that we can do, you know, if God doesn't always resolve things for us in the valley. Yes. He's working. Abba's working behind the scenes at all times, mm. you know, but he doesn't necessarily pull us out of the valley. He leads us out. He walks with us. He, mm-hmm. um, he is present with us. But he allows us to go through it, right? And I think that if we can be patient and not be self-focused, all we can do is just be present and love by being present. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's it's sort of hard to separate ourselves from whatever we're going through in order to empathize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess with that, um, 
you know, and you, you might have already touched upon this a little bit. Is it is there like is there is there like a way in which we can sort of think about people wholly in their suffering and like in the circumstances that they find themselves without, you know, like just like purely for their sake, you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's like to sort of detach yourself from the present, the present things that revolve around your life so that you can be very intentional and focus on others. Or is this sort of like a moot question? <laughs> How can we um, make it less about us and so that we can be present for others? Yeah. Well, I think that loving others like Christ loved us is also something that's produced in us, right? And the Bible says that if we have been loved much, we will love much. If we have been forgiven much, we will forgive much. And I think... Christ says that because it's about the realization and the awareness of what we're being saved from and what we're being comforted from. Um, I think that understanding about our walk and our story as believers, growing in awareness of those things about our story is important. I think a lot of times we feel we have nothing to offer in times because we are not aware of our own story and how God has been there for all of us. Mm. And so I think that the long, I guess, term answer or more less of a immediate answer is that I think in the Lenten season, reflecting on how God has been there for us and remembering the times how, how he has gotten us through our own valleys I think that's something to reflect through mm. because no one has been exempt from valleys. Having, you know, having that given foundation that everyone is living life, no one is exempt from it, right? Through the Lenten season, if you can reflect on how he has been with us, I think that um, there will be gratitude, but there will be an understanding of how he has empathized with us. And I think we learn from that empathy of how he was with us, right. you know, because I think a lot of times we receive and we just kind of move on forward and we don't realize what we've received. And I think realizing what we received in hindsight is also important moving forward. I think the immediate answer is again, um, I guess like the more quicker, how can we be there for others and be present without, um, making it about our, us mm -hmm. is I think, well, realizing that we have been loved is more than enough than even just remembering, knowing that in this present state, we know that we have been loved, that we stand in his grace, that we stand in his presence, um, being loved by him. Right. I think gives us more than permission commands us to love other people so in our shortcoming to love others you know i'm actually remembering this and because i think we tend to think of losses and death and 
all of that. But I think that there's every day, you know, heartbreaks kids might feel or people might feel that we miss all the time. And I think for me, um, as an example, like, um, a lot of times when my kids, you know, I'll, well, mostly Josh, like, I get the whole adolescent pain, like teenage pain, because I think that we all feel it. Like, no, there's no one that has not felt pain of some sort or stress of growing up as a teen, right? So, but, you know, like, as little kids, like, I think we often tell kids, like, what are you worried about? Like, you, you're just a kid. You don't have the responsibilities or weight of the world. Like, we say these things to kids sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. If not in our minds, like, we, we put these things on um children because compared to what we're going through like again there obviously there's pain and stress that we have not been aware of how god has led us through those things right yeah like i think it already kind of reflects as we project onto others but you know when josh for example when he goes through things and he's very distressed by growing up things like as an eight-year-old I honestly cannot understand in the moment because I can't remember being a child, right? So I actually have to think about it because Mm -hmm. I want to love him and because I want to be someone who understands and because it would be a lot easier, honestly, on me if I knew where he was coming from to help him because it would, I mean, honestly, it would lessen the stress of his complaining about Mm -hmm. something I don't get. So I'd rather understand, right? And so I listen to what he's saying. And even after listening, I don't get it. I think about it. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes there's lack of reflection. And so reflection and thinking about it for the sake of others, I think that's the key. Loving for the sake of others helps. Yeah. And then I can return back to the situation. And I'm surprised, but there's so many times where... um he will say, I like talking to you. I feel like you understand me. And you might say, you know, if you're part of a church, you might say, well, you know, Pila, Pastor Lydia, like you are able to do that because you do that professionally or maybe because you know God more. But actually, it's just because there's effort taken towards loving someone, right? right? Or another example would be when the pandemic hit, Um uh, in last year around this time, they kind of were, uh, I think the Board of Ed was trying to experiment with remote and then so that to reduce contact, right, with kids or people or kids going out, they canceled our mayor. He was not very popular over this, uh, yeah. but he, the mayor canceled spring break for elementary or public school kids. Yeah. And it came out of nowhere. Like, was it canceled for you? Was spring break canceled for you? I don't know, because you're in a private institution. But yeah, um, yeah so it was canceled. And it was kind of like on top of the news of not going to school, on top of the news of so many deaths and so many, you know, it was a very scary time last year around now, right? In 2020, yeah. kids were told you can't go outside. You can't be with your friends. You can't see your family. You can't do any of these things. On top of all of that, they canceled spring break. And it was really difficult news for for my eight-year-old. And, you know, I could have easily been like, 
oh, please, you get to stay home. Or I could have said something that really, if you think about it, it doesn't make sense to a child. Yeah. But but I think we do that a lot to people. We project and we say things just to kind of say things so that we said something and we'll deal with it, right? Uh, I think we could all grow in loving each other better. I actually told that to, um, you know, share the frustration of how Josh wept when spring break was canceled. Right. He was so stressed from all this work on the computer, trying to understand and learn the computer. It was a very stressful time for him, mm-hmm. for many kids and families, right? Me yelling at him. I mean, can you imagine all the families that had to juggle work and not knowing mm-hmm. when the you know help was going to come, all this stuff. But well, on top of it, just to kind of show you a window into our home, like he was weeping when he heard that he was not going to get a break. Because it was actually hard for him to learn. And when I told that to someone in her church, (laughs) you know, she's like the activator of all action sometimes. And Uh um, she was like, what does Josh like? (laughs) She was like very forceful and fierce. Like she was like, what is he like? I was like, I don't know. And she was like, tell me what he likes. I was like, okay. Uh, He likes potato chips (laughs) kid loves potato chips right yeah she was like okay i'm gonna send them potato chips oh my gosh joe we got a box like a huge box like you would have thought like i don't know it's like like a two feet box of potato chips just like potato chips like she went through amazon and found all kinds of potato chips plain chips right because i said he loves plain she packed in like 20, 30 bags, I don't know, of potato chips and sent it. And she said, sorry, Josh, that school was canceled for you. That sucks that it's so hard for you. Yeah. And he felt the love. He felt the empathy and the comfort. Did she go through school canceling? No. But it was translated. It was definitely transported with that, with the goods. I asked him, do you feel better? And he goes, he smiled in his tears. And he said, yeah, I feel better. Because someone reached out and understood him. Right. So there are many things I think we can do instead of focusing on ourselves. you know? Yeah. But if we remember that we have been loved, we have so much love to offer. I think we forget because we forget how much we have been loved. You know, right. we don't extend grace to others because we forget how much we've been forgiven. But Jesus says that if you've been loved much, you will love much. If you have been forgiven much, you will forgive much. Mm. But it's not that we haven't been forgiven compared to others or we haven't been loved by God compared to others who are loving better. It just means that love has been realized. Wow. I think in the same way, the presence of God do. It has just not been realized. His empathy, his comfort sometimes has been forgotten, has not been realized. So to come back to the answer, I think in this Lenten season, this lengthened season of 40 days of reflecting on Christ, I think we can also reflect on how he has empathized with us, how he had loved us and was present with us. And I think more than just remembering times when we already knew, I think we'll be very surprised how we realize he, we realize new stories of our own story. 
yeah. of how he was with us. Wow, that's such a good point and a great illustration that I feel like helps to click all this for me because I just have to say, even though I'm not eight, I mm-hmm. felt the love through that story. Like, mm. what a, that's such a hospitable gesture. Mm. Though it seems like there's so little you can do for an eight-year-old whose spring break got canceled, you know, like to even put in that effort to love someone. Mm. Whether, and, you know, I guess it's like so easy to get wrapped up in the thought that's like, it's the shared experience of being able to relate that's important, but it's more that love was acknowledged and found through our actions and like who we are and who we're being in relation to this person in this moment. Mm-hmm. Such a great illustration. Yeah, because I think the ultimate sacrifice of Christ is that he did not have to suffer, but he okay. did yeah. for us. And if we remember that that's who Christ is, I think the love translates in all sorts of, of ways you know so yeah i mean my biggest takeaways from this conversation is that remembering how much we've been given love you know how much jesus suffered for us and just like how much we love others you know and acknowledging those things and realizing that it just just really paints the picture for empathy for me because i think put it that way it's like empathy is a much more simpler thing than when when we can remove ourselves from the equation and just think about loving mm-hmm. out of the sake of love in whatever way shape and form so that another person could feel it you know mm-hmm. and i think that like speaks volumes to just how powerful empathy and love is um, and just really consoling us and really bringing healing, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know. It just gets me thinking that I don't, I don't know what would have happened if, you know, that, that didn't exist. And that wasn't the cornerstone of why we continue to do what we do is that love is the most important force in the world. Yeah. God demonstrated his love through his son. Yep. Yeah. Well, I I wouldn't know any better way to close this episode of the podcast, but you know I can always ask and see if you would like to share anything else that's on your heart regarding this message with our listeners, Pastor Lydia. No, but I am definitely going to be practicing through the season about you know how God was with me. Reflecting on the things for gratitude, but also remembering how faithful he has been to me. So if you want to join me, I think that'd be, you know, be great. Well, I'll definitely join you on that because I want to do that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then one more thing. I kept forgetting to say this. (laughs) I think um, the other thing is, um, that when you hear people's story and you just can't seem to connect and you just feel like, and sometimes I think it's easy to even feel like, 
how is that even suffering, right? Mm-hmm. I think we talk about deeper degrees of suffering, of loss and death, and you know, and no one is going to deny the pain of that. But I think there are pieces of people's story, like um, when people share, it almost seems so petty, right? Well. I think instead of judging, instead of assuming that they are being petty, I think um, we can perhaps try to understand their story better and why that might be a pain you know what i mean and i think that's something that um christ teaches us you know to be patient with each other to um not just understand the painful things but understand why things are the matter right Right. like christ never tells us oh why are you being so petty he meets us yeah, he doesn't keep us there in our pettiness or he doesn't keep us in our, you know, first world problems of struggles. But instead of brushing it off as, well, why are you complaining about that? I think that a lot of times our aches and pains and pains and of all sorts of angst comes from what our story is. And I think that sometimes we forget or we're not aware of our story. And so... I think learning each other's stories and not being so quick to judge why something might be an issue, you know, mm-hmm. I think is also the practicing, you know, empathy or God's love of trying to understand someone. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of, of judging or brushing someone off and saying, well, that doesn't really matter. You know, there's so many fights people have where it seems so petty, but at the end of the day, when you really talk it out, it was never about something petty, but it was about something that is even deeper. And many times, uh, you know, um, like we talked about last week about dysfunctional or distortions, right? Um, Dysfun- mm-hmm. what, what do we call it? Dysfunctionality or distortions? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, prosaic neurosis of things that constantly repeat or uh, maladaptive, right? Ways. It always leads to something deeper. And maladaptive ways are result of, you know, certain things that have been distorted somehow. And pain enters through those things. Mm. And sometimes it could seem like one thing, but a lot of times it's not as they appear. And I think that God understands us and knows us helps us to see and understand our own story how he enters into our story how he transforms us right Mm -hmm. so i think instead of judging one another and um even sizing someone's pain versus someone else your pain versus mine i think if we can listen to each other and get to know each other and um understand each other's story i think that we can definitely see through god's eyes and be of help of comfort and hospitality and agents of god's healing with one another so i mean that's the last thing that i wanted to actually mention in getting through because sometimes it can be heavy it can be um destructive it can be frustrating it can sometimes be even irritating 
when you don't understand and it just seems to repeat, 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 right? So, yeah. That's right. It all comes back to understanding our stories, the story that we have with Christ and for us to share that story to, I guess, to other people's stories, right? Like, yeah, it's so important to understand who people are. And, you know, I can only imagine how much better that facilitates empathy when it comes to our relationships um, and sharing love with others. Yeah. Because that's the first step of empathy, how he wants to know us, right? Mm-hmm. And how he understands us as because he loves us and he gives us his time. I think that's pretty powerful. Right. That's something we can practice with others as well. Mm-hmm. But that's all. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for answering uh, my burning questions that were (laughs) very genuine. uh, Because you know, I think I I hope to love people well. um, Because I feel like I've been given much, and there's so much love to be shared as a result of knowing who Christ is and the amazing, amazing, wonderful people that He's placed in my life who understand and know me and that i want to understand and know as well um so it all comes back down to story and how christ understands our stories and you know we just want to thank all of our listeners um for following us along if you felt like this message and this podcast spoke to you please like subscribe and share uh with your friends it's a great way to keep connected and to really share the gift that christ has for all of us whether in the valleys or not and um yeah, just another just another reminder that we have our day in the sun coming up March twenty first. Stay tuned for details regarding that in Central Park. And yeah, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye now. darkness turned to day You led me to quiet waters Over the mountains and the hills you restored The Lord restores my soul When my heart is broken I put my trust in you O Lord for I know that you are holding the world within your hands I enter into green pastures peace will rule the day, inviting me to the table, now my cup is flowing over, fill your store, your word restores my soul, when my world feels broken I put 
my trust in you, O oh Lord. You held your arms wide open, the world within your hands. now pray, Barry heads for the benediction. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. God bless you. Until next time, can't wait to see you next week. Bye-bye now. Hey guys! Hi! <laughs> we want to invite you to our first day in the sun of 2021, which is taking place Sunday, March 21st at 12.30 p.m. in Central Park at East Pineum. That means enter at the Met Museum on 84th Street and 5th Avenue. And please, please, please RSVP to our invitation so our team can coordinate safe social distancing for all of our friends, family, and guests. If you guys didn't get the invitation, make sure to check your spam or junk folder, or you can reach out to Pastor Billy Kim at billykim.180 at gmail.com. Remember, Day in the Sun is an opportunity to do mission for people who've been on our hearts and share the gospel with them safely at the park. And also feed them. And if you can't make it, tune into our live IG pre-show so you don't have to miss any of the action. I hear the MC's uh, pretty good looking. Uh, let's let them be the judge of that. Huh? Uh, we'll see you guys there. Bye. See ya. <laughs>my name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 180 Church and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 180 Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. 
Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180 BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu, who's a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares. And this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we feature every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.